Hello, this is John Beasley from Harmony UK Podcast. At the start of 2021, I was working on a set of three podcasts about the history of British Barbershop. I approached Jane Dancer for an interview, and I'm delighted to say that she agreed. Jane is the granddaughter of Harry Dancer, acknowledged as the founder of the movement in the UK, and of its first chorus, the Crawley Chordsman. Her father, John Dancer, sang with Britain's first quartet, the Barbershop Four. Formed in 1960, the lineup also included John's brother Tony as baritone, David Steele lead, and Bob Witherington bass. Jane has a wealth of material in her family archive. As she told me, she's very proud of the role that her family played in bringing Barbershop Harmony to the UK. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. It's um, yeah, it's always the thing that I always say, you know. Oh yeah, my family were the founders of Barbershop in the UK, so yeah, definitely it's something, and it's something I grew up with. It's something that's been part of my life, all of my life. Um, so yeah, it is definitely something. And this journey of of, of talking to you about the history of Barbershop has has taken me down uh, lots of lanes and found out lots of stuff that I might not have known. I knew generally, but not the details and piecing everything together like a jigsaw. It's been it's been really great, actually. Well, let's talk about that. But I, I want to know about your your own memories. I mean, do you, do you remember them as being a, a, a very musical lot when they were when 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 they were out of their barbershop gear and off stage? My family, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, very much so. I was born in 1970, so um, I only remember my grandfather, Harry, to a degree. I have memories of him and going to their house um, and spending time with him as, as sort of small memories, as you do when you're kind of young, as he passed away when I was when I was just turned six. But I remember going there, I remember music always being around. I remember a big piano and there was like reel-to-reel tapes lining the walls of um, recordings that have been made over the many many decades and then with with my dad you know I, I think I've got tapes of me singing barbershop songs with him when I was four five they're great tapes to listen to now did the two of you harmonize yeah, well, I well I say that I could, actually I was quite chuffed that I could hold a tune. So maybe I had some of the genes, <laughs> but I could hold a tune. Yeah, we would sing things like Emmeline and you know where you going and I don't know summertime and stuff like that. And yeah, Dad would would sing the harmony around me. I I, I had a reasonable tune, I think, <laughs> kind of. Um, but yeah, so I've got tapes of, of, of singing with him, and then he. Um, he sang with um, my grandfather and my my uncle Tony. Um, so my dad was John Dancer, and um, and my aunt Ray. And there was three of them, uh, three siblings, and my grandpa. And they would sing together um, throughout the years. Um, they used to perform on stage. I discovered um, it was originally Ray and my grandpa, because Ray was the eldest. And then um, Dad grew up and. They did their first performance, apparently, uh, at a holiday camp on the Isle of Wight when they got hauled up on stage when I think the entertainment wasn't wasn't too available. Um, and they used to sing as a trio. Um, and then my, my uncle, who was the youngest, he got a bit older, and then he uh, joined in, and they were sort of four of them singing together. So I think that so was this... kind of from years. And then years later, which obviously this was before I was born, but I remember my dad, my aunt, and my uncle all singing 
harmony together. They would sing songs that my grandpa used to sing with his siblings back in the day. And I've, I've got various family tapes and recordings of, of the three of them singing together. So, yeah, definitely. And then and later on, I mean, it was it was me singing with dad and um, yeah, not not in quite the same way, but <laughs> we never performed on stage. Thankfully. <laughs> so, so where did this love of harmony come from? Do you think originally? With my dad, or with with so with, that came well, from with his your granddad, family. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, your, your your dad, I guess, must have got it from your granddad to to, to some degree. I I spoke to my uh, my dad. I, I did some interviews with him um, a few years before he passed away, and uh, he was saying to me that you know he he used to sing before he could actually properly talk. And he would harmonise around the piano with with Grandpa on the piano and and Ray singing uh, even before you know he, he could he could hold a conversation and yeah he was singing right up until you know he, he died really I mean you know he would sing all the time all the time you'd always know he was in the house because there would be some random singing appearing <laughs> from some other room <laughs> so it was always you know in his in his his family but with Grandpa again I think it started off as as a big family thing to be honest he um just to explain actually my grandpa wrote some memoirs um before he died and they're fascinating and although I've had them here and I've looked at them before I've never read them in quite such detail I guess and and piecing all the things together with the photographs and and that sort of thing and they're, they're a fascinating snapshot not just of music but of of a time in in a in a life really um it, it's a different life um and he talked at the beginning about being born in the late 1890s um uh when there was 11 of them he grew up in east london and they were a close-knit family and they would all sing together it was one of the sort of family pastimes and he talked about first hearing barbershop at the turn of the century the 19th to 20th century, um, the original barbershop, hearing it in the music halls and being absolutely captivated by the sound of the barbershop singing and the seventh chord and the and the harmonies. And from, I mean, he must have been, you know, a young boy, really. And he talks about how he started singing with uh, two of his friends. It was a trio. Um, they used to sing close harmony. So... I think he grew up in that kind of musical environment and it was something that obviously he was very passionate about right the way through his life. And then he would start singing with his family and they would sing and then I think his father bought a piano um, and one of his sisters, Sadie, learned how to play the piano and um, they used to sing around the piano. Um, and there's a great story, and my dad used to tell it to me as well, about um, how Grandpa used to head off to the picture houses um, for the silent movies when he was quite young, um, sort of early teens, to not watch the film, but to listen to the pianist play the ragtime accompaniment stuff to kind of learn how, well, to listen to the music, but also learn how to play the piano. And he learnt by ear. And he still played. I, I do very vaguely remember that when I was really small. He then started... A, a trio actually my grandpa with um his sister Sadie that played the piano and his brother Jack and they became a trio Jack Harry and Sadie and oh, many 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 tapes of them singing in my in my dad's archives um and they, they were really successful they went out and did like performances and they 
sort of local performances and they kind of grew in stature and they played right up until the first world war as a trio when grandpa got sent off to the trenches so yeah it was i think it was a it was a thing in the family they were a big musical family and all of this kind of grew out of their childhood of singing around the piano that's fascinating that he was he, he was so in love with with barbershop and close harmony and performance from such an early age did 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 he continue to perform right the way through until he went to the states then and first encountered yes barbershop as as we know it he does he does there's some great tales in in the the memoirs and as i say some of it i'd heard from my dad who'd related some of the stories to me um but yes he he sang so he got sent off to the First World War, and uh, I think Jack and and Sadie carried on as a duo, and he tells the story of how he um, managed to get away for a weekend um, leave, and he sort of gate crashed a show and a great standing ovation for it, and how he also ended up catching a fever when he was in the trenches and got um, sent off to hospital and ended up through various kind of chain of events, uh, singing to the troops. <laughs> Actually um, got called, called up to entertain the troops during his his stay, um, where apparently he was getting sent like music from Sadie to, to kind of perform um, at the various kind of uh, troop um, events. And then I think when he left the army and the war ended, um, I believe that the trio then resumed and they carried on playing at, at concerts and events and such forth. And that went on until sort of the mid-twenties, by which time Grandpa had got married and, and, and started to have a family. Um, and when I think, obviously, things just, life moved on, didn't it, really? But yeah, he performed. And, and, and so he had to put the performances then. on the back burner while, yeah. he, while he raised his family. But, and, but then, as, then as, as, he, as he talks about the memoirs, he kind of ended up recreating it with his own children because, um, as I said to you earlier, um, Ray started singing with Grandpa. They, they um, uh, I think Ray used to sing to the troops as well. And I mean, Ray was a little bit older. She was born, I think it was 21, 1922. 22 21 I think it was um and so she she was of an age where she could sort of entertain she did some various shows and bits and pieces but then and then dad got a bit older and he would sing with them and that's when the trio happened so it was almost like a recreation of the Jack Harry and Sadie trio but with Harry John and Ray <laughs> from what I can what I can gather and I remember dad telling me that he used to sing with them too and they used to sing at the holiday camps and sing and do entertainment shows and they were quite well known locally apparently who knew <laughs> so, so that, that that's that's amazing that he he has this whole life mm. uh, of entertaining people and and this love of entertaining people when when then did he he find out about the American barbershoppers about Spebscusa so, and about barbershop as 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 I say as as we know it as as opposed to the sort of barbershop at the, the the turn of the century. Well, he talks about in his memoirs about how kind of the silent movies kind of fell away and talkies came in and how the sort of music that he would listen to as a youngster was no longer kind of on vogue, I guess. Um, but I guess that that all happened in 1958 during a trip to America. Um, he went um, to the States on holiday um, with my dad and my nan, Bessie, so uh, Harry's wife. And um, they went off to America, went to New York. 
and Tony at the point wasn't there because he was he'd gone to national service at that point but so it was just the three of them and they went to visit um New York and they went to see the music man um the musical on Broadway and within that show was the buffalo bill singing who I believed were quite a famous quartet at the time. So they were singing in the show and it made a massive, massive impression on them. And I think it was the point that reignited Grandpa's kind of love for barbershop as a as a thing, as, as a form of music. Um, so they started scouring the, um, the city for some records and they bought copy of Music Man and then they they were quite shocked apparently to discover that there was a whole section in the music shop called Barbershop um, which they'd never seen obviously in the UK because it wasn't a thing here so um, they bought 10 LPs 10 records which I still have actually it's great to as I said it's like a jigsaw for me piecing together all this memorabilia with the memories um, he bought 10 LPs of Buffalo Bills and various others and dad flew back home with them and Grandpa and Nana only went home a couple of weeks later. They um, went back on the Queen Mary, the, the, the ship, which was very fortuitous because that's when Grandpa bumped into another barbershopper, ironically, on the ship. And they got talking and barbershop was obviously a main topic of conversation. And this meeting was kind of the beginnings of how he got involved in um, the American connection, really, because he was sent copies of the harmonizer by this guy he was given contacts and that was kind of the very initial contacts with with the americans was spebskza and then i guess they came back listened to all of the music um the records um apparently were a big hit according to the memoirs six and a half hours solid back to back they listened to these 10 albums <laughs> him and my dad <laughs> solid and that was kind of the point where the new form, I suppose, of barbershop was was at the forefront of Grandpa's mind, I think, um, when they were listening to these these records um, back home and kind of decided that it was something they wanted to bring over to the UK, I think. So was it a natural progression then to decide to start their own quartet? I mean, what was, is, is there, does the memoirs give you any clue as to what prompted that fateful decision? Not specifically, no. Um, it's a question I'd love to have asked my dad, actually, what, what, it, what it really was that was the kind of the trigger. I think Grandpa had been in touch with the American Society and had started getting copies of the Harmonizer and, and started that contact with them. And obviously, Dad and, and Tony had had an interest in the music. Um, and it was a couple of years later, it was 1960, when, when the Barbershop 4 first began which was the first quartet in the country it was kind of because dad and, and my uncle were involved in a, a local tennis club and there were various social events and they'd met a couple through uh, the club called um, Bob and Joan Witherington and um, Bob Witherington became one of the quartet members of the Barbershop Four and then through various social things they ended up um, meeting David Steele who was the fourth member of the quartet um, and they had a, an evening where they were listening to music they were looking at singing from sheet music looking at harmonizer stuff and that kind of thing um, and um, that was kind of the beginnings of, of the quartet and the, the barbershop four and mum tells me that they used to rehearse every Saturday night at, at different houses of the four quartet members and they, they became 
quite well known locally. They they were doing singing and and such forth um, at various events and things. Do you know what sort of things they were singing at the time? I um, well, were, actually, were they, that I the, do the know. Records, or <laughs> did they send off a music or what? Um, I think they, there was. Well, I I get the impression from what I've read that Grandpa was being sent sheet music as well as harmonizer, and and they had sheet music uh, to sing from. So I think that was it. But the some of the songs that um, and I can read you some extracts from grandpa's memoirs because they are in there that is in there but they they were they were singing uh, hospitals fates you know events locally that kind of thing and the the three songs that were listed were hard-hearted hannah um i could sing it but i I won't subject anyone to that um ain't she sweet and darkness on the delta which i remember really vividly because it was the kind of crawley's key song it was their crawley causeman's Darkness on the Delta, they sang it every show, you know, it was their thing. So um, apparently those were the songs that um, that were amongst the repertoire of the barbershop for um, when they were they were out doing their, their singing. Um, so there, there they all were, and they're, they're, they're singing at local events, they're singing at local shows. But Harry Dancy, your grandfather, seemed to have a much bigger ambition than that because he wanted to bring barbershop to the whole of the UK. That's an incredibly tall order it must have looked in 1960 yeah and we don't have the communication networks that we have now at all I think um yes I I think he definitely from reading through the various things that I've read and, and knowing what I know yes I think he very much did have that ambition that he wanted other people to share that passion and joy of of what he experienced when he listened to Bob Shop singing and what obviously was around in Crawley with the with the Bob Shop four. I think he wanted to spread that. He wanted that to become something like he saw in America. I think that's very true. Yeah. How did he go about it? Well, I think a lot of it seemed to come from the contact with the American society and with the people he had in America. So th- that kind of relationship had begun and, and I think he would he would talk to them about, you know, what, what had been happening, as I understand it. In some of the memoirs that I've seen, there are letters that my grandfather sent to America a little bit later on, but they tell a story of, of a real passion for starting something society-wise, formally, over here, rather than just random singing in, in you know uncoordinated singing I should say so the next big milestone um was in 1964 when grandpa had just retired and he went back on a trip to America and Canada with the family so it was my my nan um and my dad and my uncle at this point and he'd been in touch with with Spebskusa at the time, um, telling them that he was coming to America and he was telling them about the barbershop four and that he wanted to see some quartets and he wanted to see barbershop in action, really. He wanted to see a show. And he was invited to go to a show um, in Rochester, um, a show that was ironically emceed by George Shields. And that was the start of when they first met and that was the start of the, the the great friendship that then ultimately did lead to the start of Barbershop. But it was purely, as I see, from what I've read, I don't know, but it seems like it was purely by chance that that's how they met. He, he apparently had been in touch with him prior to the actual um, show, but but that was the, the first time they actually met. And that was the big turning point. Um, Grandpa talks about that event in immense detail in his memoirs. It made a huge impression on him. There's some lovely quotes um, of 
my nan um, talking about how she saw their faces light up watching the show, um, how they were made very welcome and how they then went off to kind of get involved and see what other barbershop stuff was around and they were sort of taken taken around to, to various meets and such forth. And it was that trip that kind of was the catalyst really for, for the future. I think I think maybe we should give people a, a little bit of context here because this was a cross-border thing, wasn't it? Because Rochester, as I understand it, is in upstate New, New York. York. Is that yeah. right? In America? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah my but George Shields, great, George say. Shields is a Canadian, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he was the East but, East. What was the chapter name? Hold on, East York chapter. He was so apparently the letter that Grandpa had written to America uh, the, to Spebskser saying that they were coming was forwarded to George Shields from the East York chapter who was in Toronto. Um, and they apparently, as a chorus, were planning on doing a trip to the UK later that year anyway. They were planning on coming over and visiting. So it was all kind of was quite a lot of synergy, I think, in that. So Harry met George Shields and George Shields would then at least know someone who knew about something about Barbershop when he came over with his chorus to the UK later on. Yes, yes. So um, he, he, Grandpa talks about this this whole time over there. And in fact, actually, that was the end of his memoirs. That's as far as it got to talking about this trip when he was over in New York State and, and their tour and over there. And afterwards, they came over, the chorus came over, in, and they spent quite a lot of time with, with Grandpa and the rest of the dancer family. Um, they were doing a tour, I think, of the UK, it seems, that the um, the Toronto chapter... And they had they had sung all over and then it ended up just before they went back that there was an evening that they'd organised um, with some of the chorus and my grandpa, um, some of the, the, the chorus from uh, Canada and my dad and uncle and the barbershop four um, at, at grandpa's house, um, which was called Resnad, which was Dancer Backwards. Um, and it was held at Resnad and in, I think it was uh, 1964 September, it seemed to be from deducing the dates in the, in the memoirs mm. um, long before I was born. It's <laughs> long, long time, long time before. But there was an evening where um, it was a, a barbershop evening. There was much singing. There was much laughter. There was much joy and sharing of music and sharing of musical knowledge and a love of barbershop. And, and it was at that point, I believe, that George Shields and Grandpa first spoke about the way to grow barbershop in the UK was to create a chorus. And Grandpa describes that meeting, and it was it was kind of the point that was described in the memoirs that they sang till gone midnight, and it was this this great occasion. And Grandpa describes it, and his exact words from his memoirs was, and so the Crawley Barbershop Harmony Club was born. So that was in his mind, very much the point at which it became more than just a quartet and it became a chorus with a view to something much greater. This was a night of nights. The barbershop four were put through their paces by George Shields. Then he got us all interested in the techniques of barbershop and many snatches of songs, tags sung and swipes practiced. And all in all, it proved to be a considerable benefit. The fun went on till well past midnight and Tony and Maura escorted George and Jim back to their Oxford Street Hotel. And so the Crawley Barbershop Harmony Club was born. Tell us about the chordsmen then. I mean, uh, what, what sort of chorus were they and, and, and what sort of things did they do? 
So the first meeting of the Cooley Barbershop Harmony Club was in November 1964, um, which was shortly after the Canadian visit to the UK and the conversation with George Shields between my grandpa and and, um, and him. And um, it was at my grandparents' house. It was 13 of them. So it was the barbershop four, my grandpa and eight others. I've got the fantastic photo of the first barbershop meeting in front of the big curtains in my grandpa's lounge um, of the, the first um, meeting of the chorus. And I think it was kind of the starting point of kind of the chordsmen and how they grew. And it was the first meeting that then became... Um, regular weekly meetings that became uh, bigger (laughs) regular meetings that then grew into um, bigger meetings that ended up having to be held somewhere else because there was too many of them and I think um, my dad had helped do some of the marketing for it by writing um, some invitation cards to to sort of the meeting to grow the membership that he handed out at his work that got quite a few members of, of his old work to turn up and so it was kind of a bit of a word of mouth thing that the um the chorus was was starting to grow and then they started to do um various events their first sing out was at the beginning of 65 at a hospital in in Sussex and um it kind of grew from there, really. They they entered a competition um, a bit later that year um, in Worthing. It was the Worthing Music Festival. My mum remembers that apparently very well. Well, apparently it came second, but that was kind of the first competition. And then later on, there was a quartet competition within Crawley as membership started to grow. Um, and then they produced their first show, which was uh, a show that was... Um, held in Crawley and it was produced by my dad and there was 35 of them on stage um, which I have the program for which still have the original program from the show Um, but that was it was called This Is Barbershop and it kind of obviously was a showcase for what they do and and with a view to entertainment but also to to garner more membership and then the the club obviously grew from that point and and it became um, quite well known locally I think they used to sing at various places I mean I remember it only really from the kind of late 70s early 80s when I used to tag along with my dad to all sorts of shows sing outs charity raising at Gatwick Airport every Christmas you know <laughs> singing singing at various fates and events I think my first memory of the Crawley Cosman was sitting on the back of a Crawley carnival float with Bob Walker my dad and, and Bob Walker's son Lee who was born around the same time as me and we were both the, the kids in the barbershop because there weren't many of us. Um, and then going to various sing-outs with Dad, uh, with, with the Crawley Cordsman and conventions and prelims all over the country um, for many years, many years after that. What what was the atmosphere like at those sing-outs and, and, and that carnival? I mean, you, you got a group of people and I would imagine that they, a, a lot of them were fairly young, weren't they? They, they? You know, they were young singers in those days. Yeah, they were. Um, I think by the time I remember going as a teenager to quite a few rehearsals, they were getting a bit older. <laughs> they wouldn't thank me for saying that, but they were. But I was very young. I was only 15. So. Um, but, but, but was yeah, there a sense of that. excitement when you went along along to these things? Um, yeah, the shows definitely. Um, rehearsals were great. I mean, rehearsals, rehearsals. You know, I sit in the corner and, you know, try not to get noticed. There's <laughs> a lot of lot of old people there. Um, it felt to me when I was young. Um, the the Crawley float. I do remember that. I remember that being very exciting. But then, you know, it was it was a big kind of 
barbershop Crawley Club um, designed float uh, at the Crawley Carnival. It was a big showpiece. It was quite exciting as a young kid to, to be on the back of that. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, obviously the, the sing-outs and the, the shows and, and things were all very exciting. And I remember the one I remember the most was a lot later. Um, Crawley did a 30th anniversary uh, show in, in Crawley. Um, for barbershop to mark 30 years of barbershop in the in in Britain and they had clubs from all over the country there was a couple of international um, people there some of the um, uh, the lady singers as well um, and I hosted that that was uh, my debut <laughs> as the founder's granddaughter um, but yeah it was it was great it was at the Crawley Horse um, in 1994 um, I've still got the, found the tape of it not long ago, so it was quite nice to to relive some of those memories and watch some of the old choruses of which you know not all of them in existence, like Crawley, for example. You mentioned the ladies, and and one of the things that we forget quite often in the looking at the very early days of barbershop is that it wasn't only the men's chorus that was formed. No, I know almost nothing about ladies barbershop so i really can't help you with that but no I, yeah. and i believe that they started actually at a similar time to babs i think some of the ladies choruses did start to operate around the same time that the chorus movement really started to grow in the in britain i was never involved actually i i never sang in a ladies chorus or quartet um were you never tempted no 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 i wasn't actually no i i think for me it was it was my dad's my dad's thing, and I would sing with him. I uh, would sing in occasionally woodshed and some mixed quartets and that kind of thing. But I, it was something that I would go to with him, and I would go to um, conventions. I've been to conventions all around the world. I went to the, I think it was the 50th Spebsqua one, I think it was, in Texas in 19, 1988. I think it was my first trip with my dad to an international convention. It was it was amazing. I was seventeen. It was just fantastic. And been to Spain with him to Spanish uh, Spanish barber shoppers and all around the country. And dad actually ended up still going to conventions right up until just before he died. Um, he was at the. I took him in later years after he'd had a little bit of a break because he he hadn't been very well. And he went to the 2011 convention in Clendudno. I took him there and then finally to the 2013 uh, convention in Bournemouth um, which he he was on stage singing literally a couple of weeks before he passed away so it was his whole life and I think that was something I shared with him so it was my life with him too. It's it's lovely that you were able to do that and and that that it's it's good as well that he was he was with us until so so very recently what 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 did he make of the way that Babs had grown? Oh he was he was he was thrilled by it he was absolutely thrilled by it he sat there I remember having a sandwich with him and I'm sure it was the Clandudno convention where he hadn't been for a few years as I said he'd been not very well and so he wasn't able to go and I took him to this one in Wales and we sat there um on the I think we just turned up we'd driven all the way from Sussex up the way all the way up to North Wales in a in a very small car <laughs> so he was trying to recover and we were sitting there in the convention center having a sandwich and dad was just looking around at all of these people that had turned up or that hundreds and hundreds of barbershops people randomly singing in the corner and people just excited to be there and and he said that he wished his dad had seen that that he he would been alive to see what he created it was it was it was lovely and it was lovely for me to see that because i kind of feel that for him you know 
Um, and yeah, it was, I think dad had a great amount of pride for it too, um, for, for everything that had been created and, and this joy and passion and love that was around that, that had come from those very early beginnings. So, yeah. Jane, how much help were the Americans able to give Harry and, and his sons when it came to spreading the word about barbershop in this country? I think they were instrumental because there's, there was a lot of correspondence between my grandpa and Anne Spebskser, um, a lot of correspondence following the, um, the visit. Um, and I think grandpa would, would talk about from, from the letters that I've seen that he'd sent. Um, he would, he would talk about the fact that it was a club in Crawley and talk about the fact that it was spreading locally, but that almost he was frustrated that it wasn't getting any further, that the word wasn't really out there. Where they had quite a lot of local interest, local media, there's various press cuttings that I have from sort of the late 60s, uh, early 70s, um, it, it wasn't really spreading. That, And he had this dream of having a, a British movement, that it was, it was a... It, it was bigger than just one club. It was something, as I said earlier, that he wanted to to share and, and have as, as a society like they have in America. Um, and I think it was through his connections with writing to uh, America, um, writing to people in Speb Square and, and various um, choruses over there, that um, it led to Barry Best coming over to Britain to meet with Grandpa and to really set the formal side of things in motion um, for the creation of something wider than just a club and Crawley. And what sort of success did they have? What what did they do to try and spread the word? So I understand that Barry came over and that they, they started doing um, a bit of a tour um, of, and he went round to the country talking to various people. He met with Grandpa, they talked about um, the, the sort of how to start a society as far as I understand it I think obviously the club had started at that point there was still local singing um, and there was a lot of media interest uh, there was various television appearances which I think I have the screenshots from well they weren't screenshots then they were photographs taken of a, a 1960s 70s tv screen um, black and white of very best appearing and, and pictures of the barbershop four and my grandpa on there so um, I think there was quite a lot of media interest that helped um, spread the word um, and that led to a meeting in 1973. We've got archive thanks to Babs of your grandfather addressing that meeting um, and he sounds pretty excited. Can, can you imagine how he would have felt seeing those representatives of those four choruses there? Oh, he would have been so proud. He would have been so proud because it, it was a lifelong ambition for him and it was it was a dream of his to kind of set this... And, and he'd done so much in a way of, of trying to get things moving and to, 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 to build that momentum. He would have been really proud. And, and in fact, um, there are uh, letters that he sent to America that were quoted. Uh, I've been looking at various... Um, accounts of what had happened and um, in the memoirs of the Crawley's history there was uh, a letter that was quoted that was sent to George Shields from my grandfather on that night um, which I can read you if you like if you'd like to hear that yeah, please do. 
The first national gathering of British barbershoppers on Saturday the 26th of May turned out to be one of the most fabulous days in British barbershopping and one that will always be remembered. When you get members of four clubs woodshedding, I felt I was once again in Toronto. It just did my heart good to listen and share the sheer joy of it all. Presentation time brought me some surprises. I was presented with a lovely plaque from the Spebskusser with an accompanying letter from Barry Best through the medium of Chuck Odom of Brighton. I was really touched. Then followed a beautiful illuminated address presented to me by Don Amos on behalf of the Cordsman of Crawley, plus a lovely silver-plated rose bowl suitably engraved from the club, then a bouquet to Bessie and a large teddy dressed in the uniform which will be adopted for the visit of the chaps to Canada, named as Harry the Barry. With Bessie, John and Tony at my side on the stage, I was so emotionally affected, I found it difficult to express my thanks, and Bessie was in tears. As I say, it was a really memorable day, and one which will ever stay in my mind. That's fabulous. That's lovely. Your grandfather was at that meeting in 1973, and he, he, he lived to see Babs formed the following February, when it was officially um set up as an organization sadly though he didn't live to see babs for terribly long did he he passed away in 76 am i right end of 76 yeah december but i think from reading through things and 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 from my own sort of feelings on it that i think he would have been unbelievably proud to have seen babs launch that he got to see the first convention in 1974, that he got to see clubs growing and, and, and the word and the message of barbershop and the, the love of barbershop spread across the country, um, which was his life's dream. And it was his passion. Um, you know, barbershop singing was, was what he had loved from pretty much the day he was born. And I think it was lovely that he got to see at least it in its infancy. And that was all because of him. Jane, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much indeed for sharing your your memories and uh, and and your knowledge of uh, uh, your father, his sons, and the foundation of barbershop here. My pleasure.